Thanks, Scotty. I wonder whether you could recite with me the words of this well-known song. I've been to cities that never closed down, from New York to Rio, an old London town. But no matter how far and how wide I roam, I still call Australia home. Well, guess what? New York and old London town, they've closed down. And even Rio has as well. The second verse, I'm always traveling. I love being free. We might stop there. It's a bit too depressing in it, isn't it? We're in unparalleled times at the moment. We could have never even thought we'd be facing this kind of challenge. Never imagined that uh, a virus could cause so much disruption to our lives. And when things are tough and there's challenges like that, often we have lots of questions that we want to ask. What about my health? What about my job? What about my education? I'm doing the HSC this year. What about my neighbours? I can't go and visit them. I can't be with my family. There are so many questions that we have. I had a friend just yesterday email me and he said, what do I say to my neighbours who are non-Christians when they ask, why did God cause all of this? That's a really good question and I don't know the answer. So many amazing, deep and uncertain questions that we have at this time. But I wonder, have you ever thought what kind of question God might have for you? We're not the only ones asking questions at this time. I think God just asks us one question, and that question simply is, will you trust me? With all the confusion and uncertainty and disruption to life, will you trust me? And will you trust me consistently? If you have one of our church calendars and you've flipped over to April, the Bible verse is an amazing one. It says, Those who trust in the Lord will find strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Isn't that a wonderful promise? It tells us that God can be trusted and that he will give us the strength that we need to go through. In our messages over the last few weeks, we've been focusing on the promises of God, particularly the promise of a new day. And God's always got something new and something more for us because he loves us and he wants us to know more of him and to grow in our relationship with him. He's working on his redemptive plan in our lives because he wants to restore that relationship that he has with us. As we've been looking at these promises in this new day, we were thinking about Abraham and the promise that God gave him of being the father of a great nation, that they would have a land of their own, that God would be their God and they would be his people. We then looked at Moses and the story of the rescue of the people of Israel from Egypt where they were in slavery and crossing the Red Sea and the promise of escape and something new ahead. But those people disobeyed God. They didn't trust him. And as a result, they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness where they could have made the journey in a very short amount of time. You see, with a promise from God comes a need to trust from us. 
Well, that generation passed away and the new generation that was born grew up believing in God and trusting him. And now they had finished that journey through the wilderness and they were at the River Jordan, ready to cross that river and into the promised land. Last week, we heard about the promise of a new leader when Moses had died and Joshua took over and the new day that that brought to the people of Israel. And today we're going to focus on that journey across the Jordan River. You can read about it in Joshua chapters 3 and 4, but in summary it went like this. The people of Israel had been camping by the river for about three days. And Joshua told them that it was time to cross the river. But he said to purify yourself before you do that, in readiness to cross into the promised land. The priests would go first and they would carry the Ark of the Covenant, which was a construction made to hold the Ten Commandments written on the stone tablets and given to Moses by God. And that Ark of the Covenant symbolised to the Israelites the actual presence of God himself. The priests would go first, stepping into the water. The water would stop flowing and it was, uh, it was actually flood time. The Bible tells us that the river had overflowed its banks. So we're not talking about just jumping across a little stream, but we're talking about an incredibly large, fast-flowing river. And when the water stopped and parted, the people would move forward. The priests would stay in the middle of the river. The people would move past them onto the far side. And on the journey, Joshua asked 12 men to pick up some stones and carry them out of the river. And they were going to build a monument to symbolise what God had done for them when they got to the other side. So as the people all crossed and were safe on the other side, the 12 men had their stones. The priests who had been standing in the middle of that dry ground then moved forward and the river started to flow again once more. It must have been an incredible day, not only seeing this amazing miracle of God, but also stepping for the first time onto the promised land. The message is simple. God is faithful. There is the promise of a new day, but without trusting God, we will wander around in the wilderness. We're called to trust God, even though we don't always know where he's going to lead us and what the journey will bring. When I was thinking about that, I had questions about that as well. And as I thought through these questions, I found the answers in the passage. And I'll share them with you now because perhaps they'll answer questions that you have as well. The first question is, how do you prepare? How do you prepare for a journey that you don't know where the destination might be? You don't know what you'll find at the end. You don't know what you're going to need when you get there or how long you'll be there. How do you prepare? I guess the Israelites may have had that question when they left Egypt, went through the wilderness and then finally crossed the Jordan River into the promised land. And perhaps you've got that question as well as you're traveling through this journey of uncertain times at the moment. How can we prepare for the journey? Well, the first thing is, you follow God. Simple as that, follow God. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 14, Joshua says, Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Now he was referring to the priests when he said they will guide you, but we know they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and that signified the presence of God. Since you, since we have never traveled this path before, God will guide us. 
And that's an exciting comfort, isn't it? That even though life is uncertain at the moment and we don't know where this journey will go, God will guide us. The second thing that helps me answer the question, how do you prepare yourself, is in verse 5 of chapter 3, where Joshua asked the people to purify themselves. Now what that meant was going through rituals that got rid of the sin in their life. If they were doing things that really weren't what they should be doing, purification in those times helped to get rid of that sin. And what it's saying is you need to check what's happening in your own life. Now, it's easy for the people at that time to be thinking about crossing this massive river, about actually living in the Jordan, uh, in, the, in Canaan for the first time. And that's where their thoughts are. But God is saying, just forget the big picture and focus on what's happening in here. And I think God's saying that to us as well. Forget the big picture of the virus, all the disruption to the world, and focus on your relationship with me. Get that right. And then everything else can flow from there. And the third thing that helps me answer that question, how do you prepare yourself, is simply to take a step of faith. The priests who would have been in their priestly robes and carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which was quite a heavy container, had to step into a fast flowing river. And when they stepped into that river, that's when the water stopped. So that was a real step of faith to do that. And at times, God is calling us to go on a journey. He wants us to take that first step of faith. Even though the waters haven't stopped flowing, they haven't parted, and we don't know where it's going to go, he's saying, just step out, have faith, and watch what I do as you go on that journey. The second question I had was, what would you carry? If you were going on a journey and you didn't know where that journey was taking you, what would you carry? If we think back to when the Israelites were crossing the Red Sea, there was a sense of desperation. They'd only just left Egypt. The Egyptian army was chasing after them. They had the Red Sea in front and they were caught between the two. And they were saying things to Moses like, why did you bring us out here in the desert to die? It would have been much easier to stay in Egypt and die in slavery. And now here we are out in the desert. There's a sense of desperation and a sense of fear. By comparison, when they were crossing the Jordan River 40 years later, there was a sense of hope and expectation. In fact, Joshua said in chapter 3, verse 5, the Lord will do great wonders amongst you. So with those two comparisons, the Red Sea, desperation and fear, the Jordan River, hope and expectation and faith in what God was going to do. When we're faced with seemingly unsurmountable challenges, what are we carrying? Are we carriers of fear or are we carriers of faith and hope? Is what we're carrying worth catching? And I'm not talking about the virus. Is what we're carrying worth catching, the fear or the faith? What are we preaching? What are we transmitting to those around us through the circumstances? to our friends and families and neighbours when we can actually see them and communicate with them? Are we transmitting? Are we carriers of faith? Faith in a God who loves us. Faith in a God who heals people, raises people from the dead. Faith in a God who desires nothing more than to have a relationship with us. That's faith and that's hope. And at this time in the, uh, the history of the world, the world needs this more than anything else. 
What is it that we're carrying? And the third question I had was when all this is over, what would I have left behind? What would you have left behind? I was reading a really interesting article that was saying we're not exposed to the coronavirus, and I pray that we're not, though many have, but we're actually exposed by the virus. Not exposed to it, but exposed virus, by the virus. It exposes our weaknesses. It exposes our, our need for control. It exposes the protection of ourself and the compulsion we have to hoard. It exposes our tendency to worry, our tendency to break the rules and do our own thing anyway. It exposes our reliance on schedules and time and things and money. It exposes the worst in people. It also exposes the best, and we've seen examples of that in the media. But what will be your legacy when all this is over? What would have been exposed? Are we being exposed as followers of Jesus or people who just say that but then worry and don't trust? The 12 men who carried the 12 stones out of the river were instructed to carry them on their shoulders. Now that tells me they weren't small stones. They were big stones if they had to carry them on their shoulders. So it was significant. So the monument they built on the other side of the river to testify to what God had done would have been a significant thing. Now those stones had lied under that river for many, many years. And all of a sudden they were exposed and they became a monument to what God had done. The Bible tells us that the idea of the monument was that children in the future would ask their parents, what do these rocks mean? And their parents would reply, that's when God dried up the river so that we could move across into the promised land. Joshua chapter 4 verse 24 says, He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. What an incredible monument that is. When all this is over, what monument would you have left behind? Would you have left behind a testimony to the power of God, to his saving grace, that there's a new day ahead? As I conclude, I've had conversations with people about, I wonder when things will get back to normal. And perhaps you've had those conversations as well. And then there's the question, well, what is normal going to look like anyway? But I'm concerned about some of the thinking around that. Are people wanting to get back to a comfortable lifestyle? Back to being complacent and half-hearted about their faith? Back to being comfortable and easy and content? I think God can use this to shake us all up and to really ask us to step up into a new day in our faith. In chapter 4 of Joshua, we read that some of the people who crossed the river were in their army gear, ready for battle. In fact, 40,000 were. And the people knew that being in the promised land wasn't going to be comfortable and easy, but there were still battles to be fought. There were enemies to overcome. But they took comfort in the fact that the enemies heard about the Israelites. In chapter 5, says the enemies heard, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them, because of what God had done to the Israelites. So battles that are ahead, challenges that we still have to face, we can take heart because God is with us.
The promise of a new day won't necessarily mean an easy day, but God is there and we can trust him to fight that battle. You know, if there's no battle, there's no victory. If there's no victory, there's no need for us to trust and to have faith. Today is Palm Sunday, when we recall the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. The people were cheering and shouting his praises. Hosanna, they were singing. They wanted to make him king, but Jesus knew it wasn't yet time. Only one week later, they were calling out, crucify him. Put him on the cross, crucify him. That highlights the fickle human nature, where we can praise and acknowledge and sing out to God one week, and the next week we can be doing the opposite. We can be trusting him and relying on him in our faith one week, and the next week we can be in fear again. The book of Joshua emphasizes the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Palm Sunday and the events of Easter demonstrate the fulfillment of God's promise to us. Jesus himself said, I come that you might have life and have it to the full. Whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. So here's the question. Will you trust God? Trust him consistently when fleeing from a difficult situation, when approaching a new day, a promised land, when you have money or a lack of money, when you have freedom or you're confined to your home, when you have health or illness, when there's clarity or uncertain, will you trust God? I'll finish with a verse from Psalm 18. God's way is perfect. All of the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that you are sovereign over all that we can trust you no matter what the life circumstances throw up. Father, during these difficult times, we acknowledge that there are people who are suffering and in real hardship. Help us to be people who have faith and hope and who can love and care for those in need. But above all, God, we declare that we want to trust you. Amen. God bless you as you move into this coming week.